welcome to the Homelessism Podcast. This is episode number 34. Today I'm joined uh, as usual with Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, how's it going? Good. And also we have Paulus on again. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Two weeks in a row, Paulus. Yeah, must be a good uh, time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So this week we have uh, release 0.78, but it's also a special week for Home Assistant as Home Assistant's got a birthday this year and it's a, a pretty big one. That's right. Home Assistant turns five this year. And there's a big release on the Home Assistant side, which we're going to break down, uh, um, hence why Paulus has been so kind enough to come on with us today. We're going to break down Nabucasa with everyone also. But first, we should get into the just a quick rundown of the 0.78 features that have come out. And some new platforms released this week is the SwitchMate and the SwitchBot components for Home Assistant, which is awesome. I remember Isabella talking about the little switch bots that she had with her uh, smart home, and they're now available as a component in Home Assistant, so that's really good to see. Yeah, that's right. And then also we've got uh, Habitica. Now, I might be saying this wrong, so I apologize. Habitica, maybe? Habitica? I don't know. Habitica, Habitica, something like that. But uh, yeah, essentially... I'm not, I'm still not 100% sure what the what the platform does. Essentially, it's something around gamifying your life, so I don't I don't actually know what that means. So there's a few of these apps out there now where you can say you want to go to the gym 3 times a week, right? You would yeah. put it in the app and it would basically give you points if you achieve those goals, similar to the way like your Fitbit gives you rewards if you walk enough steps, right? Right. So this is this is like gamifying your life. It could be anything from, you know, like having savings goals, you know, oh, I didn't buy a coffee today so I can save that money in my bank account. And this is just a way of being able to track that in an app. And uh, I'm guessing now you have support for that in Home Assistant. So I, I was thinking one of the use cases for this component, I'm not sure if the component has this ability but potentially, you know, maybe you want to go to the gym three times a week. And if you've only been twice, maybe Home Assistant could say, okay, you haven't re- achieved this goal yet. So I'm not going to let you turn the TV on. <laughs> You're not allowed like to turn on the lights. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's cool. It's, uh, th- that's actually a really interesting concept because that's not something you see every day with, uh, like, fr- from a plugin perspective and stuff. So that's, that's really neat. Mm. Uh, another component that's been added this week is the geolocation component. So this one's going to be used for any geolocation related things. So these are usually short-lived events, for example, bushfires or earthquakes or severe weather events. So I'm guessing this is the first iteration of this component and it's going to be built on uh, as the next releases come along. So something interesting coming up, I think, with this new component as well. That's very cool. Yeah. And uh, Insteon Cover. So if you're on the Insteon uh, ecosystem as well, uh, you now have covers. Nice. Some breaking changes. Anyone that loves their, like me, the Xiaomi MyFlora uh, plant sensors, the little indoor ones, the median calculation has uh, a breaking change. So it was just fixing the way the calculation was handled in Home Assistant. But the retries and timeout config parameters have been removed and the cache value config has been replaced with scan interval. So if you're using the MyFlora sensors just and you're using any of those config variables, you will need to watch out for that before you upgrade. Yeah, also similarly the uh, Twitch component using a new version of the API, which uh, so at this point now we need to have client ID specified. So 
If you don't already have that, then you'll uh, you'll notice that that's going to break. A new service has been added to the Bluetooth device trackers. There is now a Bluetooth underscore update service. So if you'd like to manually invoke a scan for any new Bluetooth devices in your home, there's now that ability as well. Also, Sonos Beam HDMI input supports now here. So if you're in that ecosystem, if you've uh, got to use that, then... The brand new Beam that's just come out. Yeah, if you've got that, that's awesome. Yeah, is that is that something that you use? I know you're you have some Sonos stuff, but I don't. Yeah, think you... so I've got the uh, the Sonos Play Bar. So Sonos have the Play Bar, the Play Base, and they've also uh, just released the Sonos Beam. And I'm if assuming that this is similar to the way the Play Bar works, then you can select the HDMI import on the Sonos now for that comp- uh, particular Play Bar. Neat. Okay. And actually, this release, uh, we did some authentication updates. I realize now, looking at uh, the the change logs for the release candidate, that I haven't like really mentioned it at all yet. But I'll uh, make sure you to add snuck it. some secret ones mm. in, huh? So there's uh, there are two new things uh, this release. Um, the first thing is that you can now on your profile page when you log in, you can see all the refresh tokens that have been created for your user. So whenever you log in, uh, you can choose to save a uh, refresh token or like your login or not. And if you log out, we will now revoke that token so it's no longer usable. Um, And so this might be like if you've been refreshing a lot of times uh, in the beginning, our save login model would not always show up. So you might see a lot of refresh tokens in the beginning. But if you you can just delete the ones that you're not using right now and then it should become a more manageable list. And so there you can see which sessions are open pretty much for your user accounts. And it will also show uh, the last time they were used. So you can see, oh, this one was used last time like two days ago. And this one was used last time like, I don't know, five days ago. Right. So this will allow, say you go to a friend's house and you log in and then you accidentally click that allow uh, remember session button. You can now, when you get home, you can see, oh, I've got two computers logged in, but that's my friend's computer. I'm going to log them out. And you don't have to go in and change a password and reset everything. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And the second feature that we added is long-lived access tokens. And so this is going to be a replacement for everywhere in your scripts and programs that were using the API password. You can now replace that with a long-lived access token. Hmm. Uh, ah, you nice. have to send a slightly different header. You used to have to send the XHA API password header. And now we just use the authorization header. And you just put in like bearer and then the access token. And then you get uh, you can make requests authenticated. Does that mean the API password parameter has been uh, is going to be deprecated sooner rather than later, or is that still going to be hanging around as a, a possible component? I think. I mean, I, th- I think the the legacy API password provider will be around for quite a long time, but at least now there's a migration path, right? Before there was yeah. no migration path at all, and exactly. right now we are. Um, the legacy API provider is opt-out. Like it will be automatically loaded if you have to find an HTTP API password. Mm-hmm. In the, at some point, you know, the first step is going to be making it opt-in. So you have to say, I want to have this authentication provider. Uh, I right. want to use this. Um, if you're completely, like I kind of want to remove it completely at some point because there are certain, uh, there's, this authentication provider has some special treatment about like how you can authenticate with the API. And so 
I kind of want to remove that code to make the authentication code simpler and easier to reason about and make sure there is no bugs. Fair enough. Yeah, and, and it sounds like this, the long-lived token will be a better method for, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Paulus, for things like, let's say, Node-RED integration or, or anything like that. Yeah, correct. You can just, yeah, you just copy-paste this token like you would normally fill in your API password, and then it will just uh, work. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, there's one more authentication change that is not visible, but we actually added the hooks now so that the iOS app can uh, easily blend in with the new front end. So the iOS team has been working very hard, uh, especially Black Gold 9, uh, on making like the new the Home Assistant iOS app integrate with the new authentication system. And so now with release 78, it will actually be able to fully integrate. So I'm guessing that means you can log in with the iOS app and you then won't have to re-log in to your, get another like WebView login. So it's just one login and then that's it, you're into the app. Correct. Yeah, the front end is now able to kind of hook into external authentication providers. So as in like mm-hmm. the iOS app will say, I have a token, and then the front end will not ask the user for a token, but ask the iOS app for a token. Ah, great. And then similar, if you want to log out of an iOS app from your web, you can just uh, remove that token, I'm guessing as well. Yes. Yeah, perfect. That's awesome. Security-wise, that's that's great. So Home Assistant turns five this this month. So that's a really good milestone. So congratulations, Paulus, and everyone that's, you know, contributed to Home Assistant. I think that's a fantastic milestone that is, you know, a very big one. You know, a lot of open source projects seem to burn out or would never even see the light of, you know, a year, but Home Assistant's five years running and it's still going very strong. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It's been uh, it's been an amazing journey. Like, five years like i did not when i started home assistant it was just like hey i want to automate my own lights and you know now we're here five years later and it's you know it's amazing the community the things people built with it the things people can do with it things like the podcast or like the hasio add-ons like there's such a big ecosystem around it now that it's fascinating yeah yeah it's and it's, and it's just snowballing right it's it's there's more people coming in more people getting involved and and uh, more users too, so that's great. Yeah, I like to compare it to like a, a flywheel, right? Like it's very tough to get it going, but once it has speed, it's way easier to, like it will stay at that momentum. It will just be easier to gain momentum. Mm-hmm. And so as our community, right, the more people to get involved, the more people, for example, will make videos, write blog posts, share their work, the more people will get enthusiastic and join and, and that, etc. Yeah. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy video lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy video lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy video lock, that's E-U-F-Y video lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. So this uh, week you're announcing uh, Nabucasa. Am I pronouncing that right? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so 
we uh, thought that like the five year anniversary would be a good point to like announce our plans for Home Assistant Cloud. So we introduced Home Assistant, Home Assistant Cloud last December uh, as an open beta. And Home Assistant Cloud was meant to like integrate with Google Assistant and Amazon Echo. And so, you know, this has been online for like nine months now, almost 10. And uh, yeah, today we're going to announce, I want to announce that we're, uh, we've created a company around Home Assistant Cloud. It's called uh, Nabucasa. And as we announced earlier uh, as well, this company will be in charge of the subscription for Home Assistant Cloud. So Home Assistant Cloud will now be a subscription service with a one month free trial. And after that, you'll pay $5 a month to stay connected to the cloud. Okay, which is basically how you, yeah, we always knew that Home Assistant Cloud was a beta and then eventually there would be the $5 monthly subscription fee that would kick in. So when does that subscription fee kick in from? So we're going to have like some uh, time to like uh, to cover. So we're going to, everyone that has been part of the beta will now be enrolled in like a free one month trial, like the same as if you would create an account today. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. starting October 17th, if you haven't uh, added any payment information, you'll be disconnected from the cloud. If you have added any pay- payment information, we'll charge you uh, a monthly fee. Okay. And so apart from you, Paulus, who else will be involved with Nabucasa? Yeah, so I started uh, Nabucasa with two other people. First one is Pascal Vizely. Uh He is the founder of HasIO, right? the operating system that turns your Raspberry Pi or your server into like a smart home hub powered by Home Assistant. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think... More than 50% of the Home Assistant users actually use HasIO to run Home Assistant. Wow. So he is, uh, he's part of the team. And the other member of the team is Ben Bangert. Ben has been a contributor to Home Assistant for a long time. And he was the one that initially converted the Home Assistant core from a threaded model to an asynchronous model. that really improved like our speed. And yeah, there's a lot of work behind that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so he's also part of the team. That's cool. So, is there going to be uh, like a physical office or anything for you guys, or are you guys all virtual? How's this going to work? We're all going to be virtual. I think uh, a, a physical location. Uh, I mean, we're still very small. I mean, at this point, we have zero subscribers. But I think a physical office has a lot of overhead, and it also requires to like move people to the same location. Mm-hmm. And you know, Ben lives in uh, in the uh, Silicon Valley. Pascal lives in Switzerland, and I'm living currently in the Netherlands, but I'm moving to San Diego. And I mean, it's, you can't just put everyone together. Like we have all families and lives, and yeah, I think I mean, remotely, it's it makes so much more sense. Like if you, could, for example, want to put everyone in Switzerland or Silicon Valley, those are like super expensive places. Like nobody like should move there, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, fair, fair enough. Also, it's it's. 2018, right? We have we have the technology to collaborate. We have the technology to work together, and and you know it's actually also nice that uh, we're spread out of the world because if there's an outage, you have like people that can uh, be on duty during their daytime, and you can still yeah. cover a 24 hour cycle. Yeah, That's different right. time zones. Yeah, follow the sun. Yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing uh, so. Nebuchadnezzar will be funded through the subscriptions to the Home Assistant Cloud service that will eventually bring on more features. Why wouldn't you just open up a Patreon or put ads on the Home Assistant website to raise money? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So Patreon or donations, let's focus, let's start with donations, right? Donations won't work because you cannot really plan a budget around it, right? Like you can see with Wikipedia where like every year for like a month, they do like this big push of like, please donate, please donate. Mm-hmm. 
And if we want to get people to work on Nabucasa and Home Assistant full time, we need to be able to, we can, to afford to pay them at the end of the month, right? Like I have a family, Pascal has a family, Ben has a family, other people we might hire have families. You can't just be at the end of the month like, ah, sorry, we didn't get enough donations. Why don't you just take one for the team? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think people. Yeah, that's not a very good. Yeah, job. And, and the, the same. The same thing was kind of with uh, with Patreon, right? Like I, I feel like most Patreons are more to support like a single individual who's producing like a piece of work that has little to no ongoing costs. And you know, we're running a cloud service. We're uh, Nabucasa will also be responsible for uh, hosting the forums, and uh, you know, we have to maintain our cloud integrations, and all these things have recurring costs. So it's Patreon well, did not really fit the model there either. Yeah, and, and thirdly, I don't want to like put advertisements on like our website or our forums to cover the costs because advertisers like we we care about privacy. We're like advertising, uh, and advertising will cause us to like collect more data. It will uh, also change our focus because instead of like focusing on you know delivering a product that people want we might start to focus on delivering features in such a way that we can show more advertisements to people so we can actually you know earn more money and so i don't like that model either right i want to have a product paid for by people who are like the people we will work for because they are our source of income yeah and plus i guessing everyone's a bit tech savvy in in this field so they've most likely got a, an ad blocker on already right correct yeah that's good. <laughs> yeah that's fair so are you going to be staying so currently and there's a there's a blog post about this earlier as well so you're currently an employer at uh, of ubiquity or employee of ubiquity rather so is that going to be are you going to be staying on there or are you going to be moving on to new nabucasa and doing that full-time or what's the deal so it's been the plan all along to shift eventually to nabucasa when this will happen uh, depends on what we can and cannot afford, like moving forward. Uh, so it, it's uh, nothing has been decided yet. Yeah, fair. So when you came on to the podcast to announce uh, Home Assistant Cloud, you were mentioned. You mentioned you were a fan of the Plex billing model, uh, and we've seen a few people wondering if there will be an option for a one-time or a single payment for a lifetime access to Home Assistant Cloud. Is that a possibility at all? Uh, no, we're not going to do a single payment option. Like. Lifetime access to online services actually has burned companies before because usually what happens is that they offer like a lifetime plan and then they have to come back and crack down on the heavy users that are driving up the costs yeah. uh, for the users then that are not uh, buying the lifetime subscriptions. And it's also difficult. Like it's or like how can you project like the lifetime cost of like mm-hmm. you know running a cloud service, doing maintenance on the functionality, adding more features? Right? I don't. If you go that route, like it feels more like a pyramid scheme where the new users are paying for themselves and to cover the existing users. Yeah, and 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 it's also like you said, it's it's huge. It's a huge problem when you're trying to pay for cloud services, which are recurring, right? It's it's a recurring cost. It's not a one time. Hey, pay us a hundred dollars and you can have all this compute every month. Yeah, because it's you know we have to keep the servers running. You know the, we have to keep the forums running, mm-hmm. and all that. St- it's just every month that you know that that cost will not go away, and as we grow, that cost will only increase. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So, so will there be uh, will there be an upfront kind of billing model as well, or like where let's say I want to say, hey, I want to buy it for a year, and here's how much ever for one year, two year, five uh, year, whatever. We're still at the very early stages of all of this, so. 
I'm actually happy that we got to a point where we can release this because it might seem straightforward to like, hey, let's build a subscription service. But, and you know, because we're building on top of Stripe, which is a platform for building subscription services, okay. but it's still very, very complicated. Like there's so many cases of like, you know, not only payment fails, there's trials and uh, people want to cancel their plan and all these cases have to be handled. And so for now we focused on like minimum viable product and that was like, we'll accept credit cards and we'll accept it month to month uh, payments. In the future, definitely, I want to add like a yearly payment uh, plan, probably like, I don't know, throw in like a month free or something. And mm-hmm. then we also want to extend like the payment methods that are being accepted. So right now it's only credit cards, but with Stripe, we can, they have support for a lot of different payment methods that we can uh, route through Stripe. So we're definitely going to be adding those too. Oh, excellent. And in your announcement on that you put out with the Home Assistant blog post, uh, you mentioned a whole bunch of features you're excited about, including the new permissions, uh, better Z-Wave support, and device management. Will these be all a Home Assistant cloud-only feature, or which ones are going to require a subscription and won't? So only features utilizing the cloud will be cloud-only. Um, like we're... You know, many people come to Home Assistant because it doesn't require you to pay companies. You can see and understand the code that's running in your house. And we want, and we don't want people to think that a cloud subscription is necessary, right, to be forced into one. So if we build stuff that goes into Home Assistant, it's for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can already see this actually with the integrations. The, our cloud integrations right now are the Amazon Echo and the Google Assistant. Yeah. And actually all the processing of those commands is inside Home Assistant. Right, and we always want to run everything locally. And you know, you could actually uh, there's instructions linked on like the Home Assistant website to you know how you can set up your own uh, Amazon Echo or your own Google Assistant uh, integration. You know, it will definitely not be as easy as just logging into Home Assistant Cloud. You know, but it's possible. Right, yeah. that's good. And 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 just to confirm, that's there to stay too, right? Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, the more we can offload to the local system the better because at the end of the day we want to create a cloud in a way that we don't have any of the users data like ever right right now for google and amazon we are like a pass-through so it just the message comes in from google we pass it to your local home assistant your local home assistant does things sends a message back sends it to google right that's it we're done yeah Uh, you know in the future we i talked about this last episode how we want to our uh i'm designing and building a system where you can remotely control your home assistant uh, through the cloud within an end-to-end encrypted way. You know, and that too goes through the cloud, but we don't want to store that data, right? Like we, we want to actually, if possible, build into our protocols that the cloud will never be able to read the data, even if we were forced to. Right. Okay. Okay. So will there be kind of a bit more focus on creating more paid features from Nabucasa as opposed to creating some open source features? Or And I know we kind of touched on this, but just to hit the hammer on the head there. So we're going to do both, right? Like as most of our cloud features will end up being part of Home Assistant, will, you know, Home Assistant will uh, improve, but we'll definitely also focus on adding more cloud features because we want to make the subscription more attractive. Mm-hmm. What happens after October 17th if nobody does anything? Will they receive an email or a notification that their access has been cut off and the beta has closed? Um, We're actually going to send out the email uh, at the start of the trial. So we're going to announce that the open beta has ended and that everybody will be enrolled in a trial. Mm -hmm. 
then if a user decides to log into the account page, because we're gonna we're having a new account page that's outside of the home assistant on account.nabucasa.com. Mm-hmm. If people log in, they will be enrolled in the trial. If people don't log in, they will still be able to access till October 17th, and then their uh, access will be shut down. If they do log in, even if they don't enter payment information, they will get a reminder that their trial will expire like three days in advance. And then on October 17th, uh, the connection will be closed. Right. Okay. Got it. Okay. So let's say a user is running an older version of Home Assistant. Do they need to be running a newer version to, you know, to be able to participate in Nabucasa to, you know, enter payment information, so on and so forth? Or can they can they use kind of an older supported version that anything with, uh, with the cloud component? Anything that runs Home Assistant Cloud today will continue to run. The thing you're missing out on that is part of 78 is a link to the account page. However, you can go to nabucasa.com and click on login and uh, go to the account page. This is actually one of the reasons why the account page is not part of Home Assistant, but a standalone application. Mm-hmm. So that even if your Home Assistant would crash, you will be able to like cancel your subscription, for example. Right, right. right. And will you be making any Nabucasa solutions open sourced? So currently we're not planning to open source our like cloud service, like the relayer part or our account page. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is that uh, we see this as like, you know, the reason why people would want to pay Nabucasa. It's difficult to open source everything, and then you know someone else will just launch all the, you know, all the launch all our code on their own platform, and then make it free, and then we don't have anything to help support the project. I guess there's also uh, if you're doing a lot of end-to-end encryption, you might be giving away the the secret keys to everything behind that as well. Mm-hmm. Well. Actually, the, the end-to-end encryption that we're planning between like a user and their instance will have keys that were never shared with Home Assistant Cloud because only that way can we make sure that Home Assistant Cloud cannot actually access that data. Ah, nice. Yeah, that's interesting. That's uh, so. So it, it sounds like, uh, Paul. It sounds like you guys have privacy very, very heavily in mind as you guys go through this. And 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 we kind of knew this going into this, but. Uh, Sounds like that's definitely a very large driver behind how you architect Nobukasa. Yes, that's correct. I want to like, you know, the goal of Home Assistant is going to be, we want it to be private, local, open source, and interoperable with other systems, right? We don't want to create like walled gardens. And so, you know, Nobukasa is an extension of this goal, but then as a cloud endpoint. And so we're... uh, we want to maintain the same high level of privacy that uh, Home Assistant uh, users already enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. With that, I mean, Paulus, thank you very much for joining us today and uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. Yeah, congratulations on the, the launch of Nabucasa and congratulations and happy birthday to Home Assistant. That's right. Thank you very much. All right, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. cheers.